0: this week we're in our final exploration of the book of Daniel and believe it or not next week we'll have our advent candle out and we're into advent and the run-up to Christmas Um, but this week we're in Daniel chapter 12 a bit of a challenging passage if you've got a bible in front of you do turn to it and do keep it open as well because we'll be following some of these verses through it's called the end times At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress, such as not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, And those who lead many to righteousness, like the stars, forever and ever. But you, Daniel, roll up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there to increase knowledge. Then I, Daniel, looked, and there before me stood two others, one on this bank of the river and the other on the opposite bank. One of them said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river, how long will it be before these astonishing things are fulfilled? The man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, lifted his right hand and his left hand towards heaven, and I heard, that, heard him swear by, by who lives forever, saying, It will be for a time, times, and half a time. When the power of the holy people has finally been broken, all these things will be completed. I heard, but I did not understand. So I asked, my Lord, what will be the outcome of all this be? He replied, go your way, Daniel, because the words are rolled up and sealed until the end, until the time of the end. Many will be purified, made spotless and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. From the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished and the abomination that causes desolation is set up, There will be 1,290 days. Blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end of the 1,335 days. As for you, go your way till the end. You will rest, and then at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. Let's pray. Yeah, Lord, once again we acknowledge that sometimes your word is not always that easy to understand. And sometimes, no matter how many times we read it, we struggle to work out exactly how it applies to our life. But Lord, we acknowledge again this morning that this is your word. This is you speaking to us. So as we grapple with scripture today, we just pray that your spirit would open our hearts, that we would know once again what it is to hear from you. Challenge us, we pray, encourage us, direct us in your paths. For Jesus' sake, amen. Well, we are rapidly approaching Christmas. Whether we like it or not, it's upon us. And within a couple of weeks, traditions will start to be observed. Many of the traditions that happen year after year, things like Christmas dinner, giving presents, singing carols, Advent candles, Advent calendars, the list goes on and on. Well, just in case you're wondering what to buy that special someone in your life, um, don't say that I don't ever offer good advice. This is for sale in B&M bargains at the moment. (laughs) Proof that you can turn literally anything into a gift set if you try hard enough. (laughs) (laughs) Don't look at Claire. If Claire's not here on Christmas Day or is weeping silently in a corner, you'll know I bought that for Christmas. But we think of this time of year as a time of year of traditions, don't we? We think of all the different things that we just seem to do as a matter of routine. Things that year on year on year just seem to happen. Um, There's a list of things that that we do, but these are when they first started. Some of the things that we do at Christmas are really old, but some of the things actually aren't. They haven't gone on for that long. The first nativity play took place in 1223. Do you know who officiated over it? Anyone know this answer? Francis of Assisi. He had the idea that it would be good to talk about the nativity in front of real animals, and with a live baby. And so he enacted the nativity. Anyone know who first ate turkey on Christmas Day? Which king loved to eat? Yeah. Henry VIII, there we go. He first. I don't know whether he ate a whole one, but he was the first person to eat turkey on Christmas Day. The first Christmas card was sent in 1843. The first carol service, not that long ago, 1880. The first advent calendar, and just think now, you can get an advent calendar that has everything from cheese to coffee pods in it, was in 1908. And it's just interesting. When we think about a time of year when traditions are upon us, some of them aren't that old. Some of them will probably go and some of them will probably change. But it's just a reminder that this world never stays the same. No matter how much we think we're part of traditions and part of things that have always been, that is not the case. And the book of Daniel, as the book of Daniel draws to a close, It reminds us that actually things will not always be as they are. God will at some point call time on this tired old world. Jesus will return in great glory. The new creation will come to its fullness. Now, Daniel chapter 12 is one of the most fascinating chapters in Daniel. And the whole of Daniel from chapter seven that we looked at last week right through to chapter 12 is very difficult to understand. Um, It's complicated. Sometimes you can just keep reading it and thinking, well, I'm none the wiser from reading it over and over again. And in a sense, that's because it's written in this apocalyptic language. It's written with visions, with imagery, with symbolism, with numbers. You see them all in that chapter. And one thing that happens in this chapter is all kinds of different threads of prophecies that have been spoken about earlier in the book are all sort of brought together and sort of concluded in this final chapter. Now, one of the key elements to understanding Old Testament prophecy is that in the Hebrew mind, prophecy could be fulfilled in the immediate. God says something, and it matters now. But it also matters for the near future. It can also matter for the middle future. And it can also project right to the end of time as well. So that is how a Hebrew would be reading a prophetic word given during this period of time. So to understand Daniel chapter 12, we have to know a little bit about Daniel's day. A little bit about the time that follows on from Daniel, and then a little bit about our own day as well. Don't worry, we're not in here for a three-hour session. We could be, but I will try and keep this fairly brief. Um, Remember, as we said last week, when we're reading Daniel and books like this, Daniel and Revelation in particular, this is God's word to us. It remains true. However, my interpretation is not God's word. Neither is yours. Neither is anybody else's. So however we interpret these really fascinating passages can encourage us to hold it really, really lightly. You know, many Christians over the years have tried to be very definite about what they thought these kind of things meant. Just to give some examples, Augustine of Hippo in the 4th century read the book of Revelation and felt that as Rome was being attacked by barbarians, the end was coming. Did the end come? No. We're still here 1,500, 1,600 years later. Martin Luther, during the time of the Reformation, as the Turks were attacking Vienna, thought this was a sign of the end. The end was coming. Has it come 600 years later? No, it's not. We're still here. John Wesley, the great um, preacher, he would go around and he would think that the Methodists would bring in the millennial reign of Christ. Did that happen in the 1700s, early 1800s? No, it didn't. A couple of hundred years later, we're still here. All these well-meaning Christians, all these great people of faith of the past, They have preached and taught on these passages and yet they've been proved wrong because they've tried to anchor it down a little bit too much. So again, as I did last week, we're going to be painting with quite broad brushstrokes this morning. So a little bit of the backdrop. This is a map from 200 BC, which is just a few um, centuries after Daniel gets this vision. Chapter 12 comes at the end of all these prophecies of various wars between kingdoms. If you've got time, have a read through from chapter 7. ...through to chapter 12, and you'll see there's all kinds of prophecies there. But we need to understand a little bit of what has gone on... ...in those um, prophecies to understand what is happening in chapter 12. If you were with us last week um, in chapter 7... ...we were looking at a vision of four beasts... ...and how these symbolised four great empires... ...that would either rise and fall during Daniel's lifetime... ...or in the centuries that were quickly to follow. There was the Babylonian Empire... There was the Medo-Persian Empire, the Greek Empire, and the Roman Empire, and then a some end-of-time empire that is yet to come. Now, the bit that we're interested in this morning... and Now, if you're into history, you're going to love the next five minutes. If you're not, please try and bear with me. Don't drop off, because this really does matter for how we understand this passage. We're in the time of the Greek Empire. Alexander the Great has conquered the Persian Empire. He now rules right the way from Macedonia, if you think where Macedonia is, north of Greece right the way across to India, right the way to the south of Egypt. Massive, massive empire. But he dies in his late 30s in 323 BC. His generals, well, they can't agree to who's going to follow after him. So they they basically split the empire in four and take a little bit each. That's not going to work out well, and it doesn't. So they end up fighting one another. Kings of the north, kings of the south, kings of the east, kings of the west. You see these kings battling against one another in the intervening chapters in Daniel Until a time comes when the Roman Empire basically conquers all and all these empires fall apart. But in the year 167 BC, a king of the name Antiochus IV Epiphanes does something absolutely horrendous to the Jewish mind. What he does is he goes into Jerusalem, he goes into the temple, he goes into the Holy of Holies, the holy place, and he stops temple worship. And he dedicates this temple that has been stood there for three and a half centuries since Cyrus of Persia allows it to be rebuilt. And he comes in and he dedicates this temple to Zeus. For three and a half years, this temple is not a temple to Yahweh, to the Lord, but it is a temple to Zeus. Now Antiochus then dies in 164 and temple worship continues. Now, if you've got any friends who are high Anglican, Orthodox or Catholic, and you've ever looked at their Bibles, you will notice they have an additional few books that we don't have in ours. It's called the Apocrypha. And what it does is it plots a lot of that middle history and what happened between the end of the Old Testament and the end of the New Testament. I think I have once shown a verse from the Apocrypha on the screen before, but here you go. This is how the book of two Maccabees tells of this event. Not long after this, the king sent an Athenian senator... To compel the Jews to forsake the laws of their ancestors, and to no longer live by the laws of God. Also to pollute the temple in Jerusalem and to call it the temple of Olympian's use, and to call for the one in Gerizim's use the friend of strangers, as the people who live in that place are known. Now Daniel twelve, sorry, Daniel eleven, verse thirty-one will call this the abomination that causes desolation. Where the temple of God is turned over To pagan worship. So a lot of what Daniel is talking about. Is fulfilled in this period of time. Partially fulfilled. But we need to fast forward again. To the time of Jesus. Because there is another fulfillment. Of all these horrific things coming up. So we pick up what Jesus says. In Matthew 24. We're back in God's word here. So we're back into the gospel. So when you see the abomination of desolation. Spoken of by the prophet Daniel. Standing in the holy place. Let the reader understand then those who are in Judah flee to the mountains. What happened in AD 70? Well, the Romans, they marched into Jerusalem. Not only did they um, change the temple to a temple of another god, but they flattened it. They destroyed it, and it's still destroyed. Another abomination of desolation. Another time of absolute horror for the people of God. Another partial fulfillment of all that Daniel will talk about at the start of chapter 12. But again, we look forward We look forward to that which is yet to come. Because there are trials and terrors and abominations that have yet to face, that we as the people of God are yet to face. The book of Revelation is written after that terrible event of AD 70 when the temple was flattened. And so Daniel still looks forward to a final trial when all that is anti-Christ will rail against the people of God. And that is beyond our time. It has not yet happened. It still lies in the future. I was walking down the Ship Canal on um, Tuesday evening, and it was a wet, drab November afternoon. And it was dead quiet. The reason it was quiet is because the motorway was clogged up, so there's no traffic moving. But you know that kind of eerie silence when there's no wind blowing, there's nobody else around, and there was just me and the dog. And suddenly, the sound is broken. Just watch the screen for a minute. I'm hoping this will work. See them? Wave after wave of loudly honking geese. Um, and to, to say that there were just a few geese was, was an understatement. There must have been a thousand geese. I don't know what they thought they were doing or where they were going. Um, I didn't ask them. But they, they, were, they were flying down the ship canal. And wave after wave after wave after wave. And you thought, this is never going to stop. So I stood there. Obviously you can see my rather poor camera work. Um, I stood there for a couple of minutes as these just waves of geese kept going and going. You know, sometimes as followers of Jesus, as disciples, it can feel like that is what the world is like, can't it? Like there's just trial after trial, struggle after struggle, things that come against the people of God. And we can be thinking, when on earth is this going to stop? When on earth is it going to stop? And we can look at the watch list that we were looking at um, a few weeks ago, those 50 countries where it's really difficult to be a Christian. And we can find ourselves saying, Lord, when is it going to stop? Do you know the encouragement of Daniel 12 is that it will stop. It will eventually come to an end. It will not always be like this. If you've got the Bible there, look at verse 1. It says, the archangel Michael protecting God's people will arise. And then we are reminded of this terrible time of distress that we've talked about. The waves of trouble will happen. And it's just a reminder here that actually the physical realm is not all we see. There is a spiritual reality that also is taking place. And Daniel just gets a glimmer of that at this point. Now one of the challenges I always find of living for Jesus is the balance between waiting in a broken, sin-marred world, but at the same time being expectant for all that God will do. Being both a realist but expectant that God wants to do stuff that I can't imagine. And it's both for now and it's for the future. You know, as Advent approaches, as we come and we think about the one who'll be the greatest deliverer of God's people, Jesus Christ, who comes fully God and fully man, we're reminded that actually some people were waiting for Jesus' first coming with great anticipation. And they saw it. They waited and they saw everything fulfilled. In Luke chapter 2, Anna and Simeon, They've waited their whole lives for God's Messiah to come. What happens? They get to meet the baby Jesus. All their dreams, all their hopes are fulfilled. Wind back to 167 BC, when Antiochus marches into Jerusalem and destroys temple worship. The people there who were faithful to God didn't get to see that. They didn't get to see the Messiah come. They just waited, faithfully, hanging on, clinging on to the promises of God. You know, we think today we live in another in-between time another in-between time we're in the in-between time between the ascension and the return of jesus the time of the church the time when the spirit has been poured out and we live in this in-between time when we find ourselves at some point singing our praises because we see what god has done it might be in our own life it might be in the life of a friend it might be in through some amazing answer to prayer but then on the flip side we're still grappling with the brokenness and sin and the the marring of this world And we find ourselves in that kind of paradox situation. You know, just just this week, we're going to a funeral of our our neighbour who died far too young. That is really painful, but that is the world we live in. The world is still marred and broken. We don't yet see everything that there will be. This week marks the start of the World Cup, doesn't it? And I think it's starting this afternoon. There's a lot of controversy around this particular World Cup, which I'm not going to go into this morning. Um, But as we think about the marring of this world, and we think about the persecution of Christians, can I just point you in the direction, once again, of Open Doors, who have done some amazing things to help us pray through the World Cup, to pray through what is a broken and marred situation. So there's a leaflet here that is a prayer diary for every day of the World Cup. You can download these off the Open Doors website. Do go on it and have a look at them. There's also a great big wall chart you can put on your wall that does two things. It enables you to plot which teams are winning, but it also encourages you to pray as we go. So thinking through which of those nations that are represented, that Christians are suffering persecution, where there's human rights abuses and all kinds of terrible things happening, and to turn these next few weeks into prayer that God will break in that in this in-between time, God will still be breaking in. You know, we look for Jesus's soon return, don't we? That is what we're waiting for. But in the in-between time, until that final deliverance is some way off, we pray. We do what Daniel did. We seek God as he did in the second century, as people were doing in the second century. As people did in the first century when the temple was destroyed. But we come and we remember, it will not always be this way. So we get visions of eternity coming up next. In the Old Testament, the the reality of eternal hope, whilst it is there, and it is all over the Old Testament, it's not often described in great detail. It's more of a sort of, it's sort of in the background. It's there in the Psalms, it's there in Isaiah. And what we have in Daniel 12 is one of the most direct um, teachings that the Old Testament has about resurrection, about the life that is to come. Now, we have one up on Daniel. It's always good, this, isn't it? We have known, we know the Messiah. We know Jesus. We can read Daniel through the lens of all that we now know that Christ has brought. But look at Daniel chapter 12, verse 2. A concrete verse of hope for those who love God. It says in verse 2, Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting Consent. We see Jesus will pick up these same kind of images here in, like, the parable of the sheep and the goats, where he'll talk about the end-time separation of people. Now, in our post-postmodern world, whatever we call our world at the moment, this kind of verse doesn't go down very well. This kind of thinking that the choices that we make in our life today, whether to follow God or not, has choices for eternity. But you know, this verse has never been palatable. It's never been palatable. You know, sometimes as churches in the past, we've been guilty of trying to scare people with a verse like this, scare them into the kingdom or whatever it might be. At other times, we've been guilty about not talking about it at all. What does Daniel say here? Well, I think it's actually quite straightforward. If we choose to follow God, to respond to the call of Christ today, in this life, we continue in that journey forever. That journey just continues when we die and when we're raised on the last day. We continue to be with Christ for all eternity. But if we reject Him today, we continue to reject Him. And we continue to travel away from Him into the shame and contempt away from His eternal presence. But this poses a very simple but incredibly life changing, eternity changing question Do we belong to Christ this morning? Do we have that eternal hope? Have we been born again by the Spirit? of God? Do we know the joy of all that is to come in Jesus? Have we accepted the free gift that God offers us of eternal life? You see, if you haven't done that this morning, can I encourage you, come and chat to me, come and chat to one of the other leaders. We would love to share with you what it means to put your hope and your trust in Jesus and to have the joy of what comes next. Because look at verse 3. It says, those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens. And it goes on, like stars forever. Do you want to shine like the brightness of the heavens? Like a star forever? Do you want to be part of that eternity? You see, this is what he's offered to the wise. The wise in the Old Testament is all those who follow after God's ways. And that is what he's promised us. It's something that is incredible. Those who are raised with Christ will be with him forever and ever. And so before the swirling of this world, the waves of problems, if you like, the honking geese coming and coming and coming, Daniel offers us something that is concrete. Something to build our lives upon. And you know, for many centuries, the hope of eternity is something that keeps Christians in difficult situations going. I'm sure if I were to speak to Christians who are going through persecution at this time, what is keeping you going? Well, it's the hope of all that is to come. For the slaves in America, you know, they would sing songs about Gloryland Land because that was the hope that was rooting them. I have a hope in Gloryland Land that outshines the sun. You may know the spiritual But these spirituals, that we talk about eternal hope in the midst of oppression of the here and now. For Christians, listening to to John um, speaking about revelation in that period of persecution from the Roman Empire, the hope of all that is to come is what would keep them going. You know, for you, for me, whatever life throws at us today, if we live today just with the stories of today, just with the narratives that today holds over us, Don't be surprised if we get discouraged. Don't be surprised if today's stories overwhelm us. But actually, if we have this bigger picture, the picture that Daniel has, the picture that Jesus speaks into our lives, then we can keep going. There is more. God has bigger plans for us. He is not finished with us. Jesus will return. So finally, keeping faith-filled. Verse 4. For you, Daniel, close up and seal the words of the scroll until the times of the end. And then verse 13. As for you, go your way till the end. You will rest, and then at the end of days you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. I think actually those two verses really need to be understood together. because It's almost like the book finishes twice and then there's a bit in between. And as we read these, we could think, well, should we be reading Daniel? Is this this forbidden literature that, that somehow has ended up in the Bible? Well, that is not the case at all. What Daniel is really saying is these words need to be sealed until they're really relevant to God's people. Until such a time as we go through the trials, go through the difficult periods of time. Verse 13, Daniel is told very simply, go your way to the end. Then you'll sleep, that's another way of saying, then you will die and then you'll be raised. You'll be raised to be with God forever and ever. See, one of the things I love about Daniel And his friends, let's not forget Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they remain faithful to God right the way through, through trials, through the most difficult of visions being given to them, through the most trying of circumstances. And I think what they show to us is that actually lifelong discipleship is possible. You know, we don't want to be Christians who are being buffeted around all the time by, by our lives, we want to be lifelong disciples. People who are able to follow Jesus when things are great, absolutely. But also when things are difficult, when the trials come, when the waves of problems appear. And Daniel proves it can be done. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel is not some special figure. But there are loads of other people in the Bible who prove that actually when we follow God's ways, it can be done. But it can't be done in our own strength. It can never be done in our own strength. You know, the worst thing I think any preacher can try and get across to, to anybody is, bad Christian, try harder. You know, that, that just doesn't work, it doesn't do anything. But what does do something is actually, are we coming to the Holy Spirit? Are we asking for the Spirit to strengthen us? Are we asking for the Holy Spirit to do a work of transformation in our hearts? To give us this hope, to enable us to resonate with the hope of eternity. To look forward to that day when Jesus will return now yeah there are practical things we can do we talked about this a couple of weeks back didn't we about this this speaker who died heard at this conference he simply said pray and read your bible if you want to have a flourishing christian life get those right and a lot of other good stuff will follow but we need the spirit we need the holy spirit there's a song i won't um, burst into song we'll leave that up to simon as his speciality but dare to be a daniel i think some of you may know it about praying, about being on our knees in front of God, about being those kind of people who remain faithful. So I just want to leave you with three things as the book of Daniel draws to a close. Do we have eternal hope? Is that resonating in your life today? Is that the biggest backdrop, the biggest narrative that you're living with and living for? Are we people committed to faithful Christian living? You know, when the trials come, and they will, They will. Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. We are not immune from them. But will we live faithfully and a faith-filled life, remembering all that Jesus has done and thinking of all that is to come? And thirdly, are we praying for the continuing infilling of the Holy Spirit? We can't do any of this in our own strength. We can't keep faith-filled and faithful, but we have been sealed by the Spirit. But we do need to keep praying that the Spirit fills us. That continual ill-filling of the Spirit to enable us to be fruitful, to enable us to be empowered, to enable us to be gifted to serve God in this world. Well, I hope you found Daniel to be somebody as a bit of an inspiration. Daniel's somebody who gives us the kind of model that I think we need in order to live during difficult times. Well, let me just pray for us. I'll leave those on the screen for a moment and the worship group are going to come forward. Yeah, Lord, we again, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Daniel's um, incredible story of living a faith-filled life in the most trying of circumstances. We think back to when he arrived in Babylon, to when his friends were put into the flames of the fire, to Daniel being thrown into the lion's den, to these visions that Daniel was given of, of kingdoms rising and falling, of the temple being filled with abomination and of your soon return. And Lord, we, we just place our lives in this biggest picture that Daniel saw. And we just ask that like Daniel was, that you will keep us faith-filled until the end. That whatever trials may come, that whatever things may buffer our faith, Lord, that we will rest on your character, be surrounded by your love and be empowered by your Holy Spirit. Yeah, Lord, we just rest in your presence for a moment. We just ask that you would minister to us by your spirit. And Holy Spirit, would you fall afresh on us, we pray. Maybe just in the quiet, you just want to just simply say, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. So Lord, as we continue in our worship this morning together, as we prepare to take communion in a few moments, we remember once again your greatest rescue. We remember your finished work on the cross and the resurrection. And we look forward with hope to your soon return, where we will be singing with the the whole company of heaven, worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive honor and power and wisdom and might and blessing. In Jesus' name. Amen.